Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts, Brian Christofferson. Gentlemen, how well-stocked is your pantry right now? And have you been meal prepping in the event that you were unable to get to the grocery store or there are no more groceries left? <clears throat> BC, we'll start with you. Um, I could go a good month. It's sort of the same situation as taking the material we got from last Monday's press conference <laughs> and rationing it so you get like three more weeks of content out of it. I had to do that. I'm doing that right now with what's in my uh, kitchen. And I think I can get like three good weeks of food. Uh, as you guys know, last night you were asking me my thoughts on the Stefan Diggs trade, and I went, uh, I went quiet, and that's because I was making a, a hearty uh, soup recipe, a tortellini and sausage, which I sent you a picture of, and as you guys, you guys admired it. You, you know that I'm a chef now. You were, you were definitely cutting the garlic with, uh, with the razor blade so it melted in the pan and just stirring the sauce. Yeah. Is that the secret? Yeah, it was, yeah it was, you got to keep stirring the sauce, as they say in Goodfellas, and looking for helicopters flying overhead as well. <laughs> BC making soup coked out on his mind. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say that. I don't want to. I don't want to say that. But, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I got a, I got some stuff, so I'm good. Brums, how are you doing? How are you holding uh, up? We're well stocked. Um, the issue is becoming the 19 month old that uh, is everywhere. She's like the uh, she's like the ultimate warrior, running into the ring, just shaking the ropes constantly. Is she not respecting social distancing? No, she's like all up in my kitchen every day. Just your literal kitchen or your face? Both in my face in the kitchen. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. Um, you know, I'm sure that it'll make life very easy for you. You said uh, you said you're you're stocked up on soup as well. Not homemade. Yeah, I uh, unlike BC, I am not a uh, a homemade soup guy yet. I I bought some canned soup. I have some uh, I have some provisions for some homemade meals. I should be good for a solid two and a half weeks or so, which is very opposite of my general approach to grocery shopping, which is usually about a three to four day kind of period, because I live right next to the grocery store. I just pop over whenever, and. Uh, I don't want to do that anymore. So I had to, I had to change, but if I can do it, everybody can do it. Don't you feel like uh, this is going to turn us all into Howard Hughes? You know, Howard Hughes, he's always like washing his hands, all that stuff. It's good in a way. Uh, but I, I, I think, uh, I think all of America is going to become germaphobes now. So we're all going to be Jerry Seinfeld. Is that what you're saying? Oh uh, yeah, I think I think so. I I've washed my. I mean, I was always a hand washer, and I admit I've seen way too many dudes walk out of the bathroom at a restaurant who don't wash their hands. Like the percentage is way too high of that. So hopefully that is going out the door because uh, that was disgusting to begin with. If you've ever been to a Nebraska yeah. basketball game, it's like just I would not touch anything at Pinnacle Bank Arena ever again. No, I think that's fair. Um... I do think that if nothing else comes out of this, maybe a reset to hygiene patterns. <laughs> yes. Be good. I bet you everybody just goes back to being filthy once this is all over. So it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm expecting no change. Yeah. This is America. People do what they want. So, um, all right, let's try to, uh, unless BC has some piping hot takes on Stefan Diggs, let's try to roll this over to. No, 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 no. 
Let's go, Huskers. Let's go, Huskers. All right. You and I can just uh, – we can hash it out on a phone call later. Um, All right. Okay, so the last time we spoke, the NCAA had canceled winter sports. They had preemptively canceled spring sports. Uh, the CDC had yet to issue a recommendation that social gatherings should be less than 50 people, and now I think it's even recommended that 10 or less. So a lot has changed. Nebraska hadn't canceled spring football yet, but they were going to go to a uh, access-limited format um, in which they were only going to have essential staff and players. That's been wiped out. Right now there's no spring football. There's no activities uh, until at least April. And that could be a wandering target, so to speak. So uh, with that being said, I kind of wanted to spend a little bit of time today talking about guys that I feel like are, you know, adversely affected by the fact that there isn't spring football. And one of the big ones that jumps out to me, because I felt like he was going to get a lot of the workload, and and we'll just go, you know, name to name here and and whoever you guys want to talk about, but I'll throw out this one first. Ramir Johnson was set to get a lot of action this spring. He didn't enroll until the summer last year. He obviously got most of his action in the Maryland game, and this was going to be a big spring for him because it was basically Ramir Johnson and Dedrick Mills and a whole host of walk-ons as your running back depth chart uh, until Sevion Morrison and Marvin Scott III get to Nebraska. You have Ronald Tompkins, but without knowing exactly where his knee is at and Ryan Held not being at the Monday press conference, we weren't able to get into running back heavy, but you knew that Ramir Johnson was going to get a lot of work. He's one of the guys that jumps out to me. BC, who else stands out to you as someone that really could have used this spring? And since we don't know about what's going to happen with these extra practices, might have lost a, an opportunity to really, you know, develop some gains. Uh, I look at the middle linebacker spot and could name off a host of guys there. Uh, Nick Henrich, um, who, you know, obviously last year I think was poised to play and then he had the injury. Uh, in the spring, and it kind of messed with him getting out there as much as he probably would have otherwise. Luke Reimer, who actually burned his red shirt last year, but I think is very much in position to compete. Garrett Snodgrass, who if you talk to somebody like Mo Berry, uh, Mo Berry was saying last week that Snodgrass, he thinks, is a dark horse in that competition over the next few years. Uh, and Jackson Hanna, a guy who we'll see whether he ends up at middle or outside backer when it's all said and done. But it sounded like he, uh, you know, for now he's still at the middle spot and uh, kind of disappeared off the talking uh, sheet last year. And so all four of those guys at that position where you want them to push Colin Miller and Will Honus and kind of breathe down their necks. Um, obviously nobody wants anybody breathing down their necks at this point. Uh, but uh, <laughs> sorry. Well done. Well done. <laughs> I realized, humor. Look at this guy. <laughs> no, I realized after I said the phrase that uh, I had worked myself into dad joke range. Uh, but, yeah, middle backer spot. How about you, Bruns? Well, to me, it's not necessarily a – maybe not an individual group, but I, I think the, the, the freshman wide receivers, the, the Jamie Nances, the Demarion Houstons, those guys to me seem to probably uh, be hurt the most by it because, you know, you, you're going to – you think you're going to have Omar Manning and, and Xavier Betts coming in uh, in the fall. Everybody likes those two. Um, and, you know, this was an important time for Nance and 
uh, Houston especially to show what they can do uh, off of Richard's season. And, you know, the fact that you don't have J.D. Spielman and Lincoln, the fact that, uh, that that room is wide open, it seemed like that this was really kind of their chance to kind of get in with a new position coach and, and show that they could be counted on. And, and now you're not going to have the opportunity to do that. And, you know, the, I, I think that was probably the biggest position of question to me was wide receiver. And, and you still, uh, you know, I, I don't know what kind of work you got done uh, in two practices, but it's still a huge question and, and will be uh, heading into the fall, even if Nebraska is able to kind of do a few things at some point before the start of the season or before the start of fall camp. Yeah, I, um, I'm going to be very curious what the NTAA has to do here. Um, we don't know what the time frame of any of this is going to be. So, I mean, all of our conversations as it relates to these things should be prefaced with that. But could you guys see a scenario where, let's say, we get to June and they can resume football activities at that point? Could you see the NTAA stepping in, allowing 15 workouts over the summer, predating into fall camp, which begins in August? Or do you think they just say, all right, you miss a window for spring football, you're going to get the opportunity to go through regular summer workouts. We'll just roll everything into the start of fall camp. I think the NCAA, which is often criticized for good reason, has a chance to actually have its finest hour. Um, I think there's an open door for them here to show flexibility in a crisis scenario. Um, we might see it with the eligibility situation first of all, but I think this could be another example where the NCAA get win some favor uh, by opening up summer practices if this thing levels off, and that's a big if. Uh, but yeah, I, Bill Moose the other night, you know, on the statewide radio show, Sports Nightly, uh, you know, is hopeful still of those June practices. And he made the point, Nebraska's in a pickle here because they didn't make the bowl game. So you didn't get those 15 practices. They've only had two of their spring practices so far. And so basically two out of 30 possible practices between December and April is all they've had. Uh, if you want to get really optimistic, though, and I can spin this to Brunst, um, what if they do allow, like, June practices or at least some workouts with coaches and some of the summer arrivals get here? Um, and basically, the guys who didn't enroll early, the Xavier Betts, the Omar Manning types, assuming they get here in time, uh, actually get to participate in those. Could it actually, if you want to be really optimistic, could it work in Nebraska's favor? Yeah, I mean, I, that, that's, yeah, it would. I mean, you, you would get some practices before the start of fall camp with the guys that have gotten there uh, in, in the summer. You know, I, to me, the, the options are, you know, right now, the way things stand, the, the NCAA allows coaches to be present for workouts um, over the summer, you can't have a ball there, but let's say, you know, you, you have maybe not even 15 practices, but let's say everything's clear by June. Do you allow, say, seven um, to, you know, happen in June? Or do you start fall camp a week earlier than, than you would otherwise? Because, I mean, the, the other 
the other part of it is too is you're essentially in a dead period right now until the middle of April. So how do you kind of adjust that? Because that that's part of it too. I mean, July right now is a huge dead period. Do you change the recruiting calendar a little bit this year only to allow more visits? That's, you know, something else they have to kind of tackle. But uh, to me, it makes the most sense to have maybe, a, if everything's clear, have a limited number of practices in June, which, yeah, I mean, that, that would benefit Nebraska a little bit from the standpoint that you'd have some of those guys that you're the young guys that you're counting on. Um, but you know, it, everything's kind of in the air, but it, it, that, that to me makes more sense rather than doing like a full, you know, 15 practice deal. Cause I just, I don't know that you're going to have time for that given how the current calendar is constructed. Yeah. I, another thing that I have thought of as, as all of this is going on and it's actually been asked of me a couple times on Twitter and, and in, private conversation but the sort of effect that this has on like an Omar Manning or on a Xavier Betts or on a guy that's you know has a little extra work to get to campus because they may not be in school or they may have to be online only Uh, their resources are somewhat limited there in terms of the help that they need to finish this off so Nebraska also is going to have to coordinate a lot of that kind of thing too to, to make sure these guys that are huge parts of what they hope is a rebuilt wide receiver room are positioning themselves to be able to come to Nebraska in July, I would say is the more likely month of the two, if we're being honest. So um, that is a consideration that people may not have thought of at this point. I mean, recruiting in general and, and, we can get into this a little bit. Um, recruiting in general is going to continue as it is. I, I'll have a story that will probably be on the website around the same time this podcast runs. Nebraska has been very aggressive. I mean, you name a top target, they've been reaching out to them. And, and just a couple of guys I've talked to already, uh, Christian Burkhalter from Alabama. Recently, I, I think he just got off the phone with Eric Chenander again. Uh, and responded to a message of mine and basically said, hey, Nebraska's been hitting me up. Uh, We're going to try to figure out an official visit date in June, but it's going to be really hard because everybody's trying to get an official visit date in June right now. June kind of seems to be the month that people are targeting uh, for when visits are going to be back on. And so um, Nebraska is is certainly working in that situation. Jalen Noel, the, the wide receiver I talked to that mentioned they had canceled, the junior day event. He just spoke with Ryan Held yesterday and he said that Held is working with him about getting an official visit set up and that he's hearing a lot from Iowa, Iowa State, Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Kansas State right now. And so he's got a heavy group of schools that are coming after him. Christopher Paul, the linebacker from Georgia, he's looking at um, trying to get other visits set up but is very locked in with Nebraska and said he's been in contact with somebody from Nebraska almost every single day. And so they have been very aggressive in, in their recruiting and what they're doing right now. Um, And so as much as things have changed in the last week, um, Nebraska has been as proactive as they possibly can to not lose any gains that they had in January. And I I think that's going to be really important I think having a lot of these guys already on campus once before really helps them out as they go through this contact period in which it's only going to be phone calls, FaceTime, DMs, 
um, snail mail, that sort of thing. And I just continue to think Nebraska has positioned itself well that even though they can't have kids on campus right now, coaches won't be able to go on the road in April, they'll still be in a pretty good spot with recruiting. How big a deal is it with the spring sports completely wiped out that some of the, a lot of these kids, you know, they'll participate in track and they'll have times that you can say they're legitimate times because they're, they're on the track. And or else they'll go to a camp where they get electronically timed. Do you see that as being a big deal in evaluating uh, certain kids and where they've come as far as their speed and stuff like that? Because some of these metrics that we've used uh, to officially, you know, place numbers on a kid aren't going to be there. Uh, so it feels like they're going to have to do a little bit of blind evaluating on some of that. Or am I wrong? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're not wrong at all. And, and they're going to be in the same boat as so many schools around the country where you lose this evaluation period. It's really going to make – it will, like, let's say, again, for the, the sake of a hypothetical, let's say June things can get started up again. Not only are you going to have official visits, camps are going to be bigger than ever. I mean, it's going to be so important to get kids to camp so you can get an actual time, so you can see them run. Because you, you lost that evaluation period. Assuming they have them. Brunt, you said something? I, I said, yeah, I said assuming they have them. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, um, it, again, we're dealing in hypotheticals, but I, I look at this and I continue to think, like, if June is a month where, where things are available and they return to their camp schedule, Nebraska's going to have a massive camp. I mean, they're going to really aggressively court people to come to their camps because that's going to be their opportunity to do evaluation. That's going to be their opportunity to see where a kid, you know, runs and what gains he's made. And so, um, again, having all of these offers out, Nebraska has really done a lot with the film stuff. And then they were going to follow it up. And, and this is where, you know, using a story from last year, uh, Lynham, the, the defensive back that, that already early enrolled, Travis Fisher went to – one practice saw what he needed to see they offered him immediately moved him up their board because they loved him and aggressively recruited him from there you're not going to have that opportunity with without the evaluation period and so there's going to be some real loss uh to recruiting so you're going to have to be very good in terms of the film work and you're going to hope that you have been working ahead and that's where nebraska again has positioned itself really well the the other part of it too i mean if if things are clear by june or whenever they allow camps again it feels like satellite camps are going to be a, maybe a little bit more important than what they have been in the past absolutely i mean any of those camp circuits are going to be uh, massively important um you know as i try to say this with a straight face while brunts is messing around on a camera right now trying to throw me off, but I'm a professional and I will work through it because that is what I do. Um, Yeah. The camp circuit, regardless of whether it's Nebraska, whether it's the satellite Adidas camps, whether it's the, you know, the Nike camps or the Under Armour camps or whatever, these things are going to just be really, really big if they happen. And so um, it sets up for what could be one of the wildest, busiest Junes that we've ever had and uh, we just have to continue to, to monitor and see where this thing goes. But I, I just think that if you're a Nebraska fan, 
you should feel comfortable with the fact that Nebraska is definitely using this time to recruit the hell out of kids that aren't in school in a lot of these situations. I mean, these guys are they're doing schoolwork from home, but they're sitting around, and it's a great opportunity for Scott Frost to be able to FaceTime with somebody like Christian Burkhalter or for Ryan Held to be in contact with guys in his area. And I think they're going to do a good job of that. So I, I think they've positioned themselves very well here. All right, the, oh, sorry, BC, what was that? Well, the last thing I was going to say is because people are asking, oh, what, what do you write about? What do you do in this time? It's interesting as you have this conversation. I mean, the games and practices have stopped and come to a pause, but it feels like this unprecedented event where it's flipped the calendar on its ear and the story, the individual stories of kids who are going to have to make decisions during this time. I don't know. It feels like the stories are going to be uh, more intense than ever. And I think it's, it's up to all of us to do We, we have to get outside, outside of our comfort zone a little with this stuff. And uh, it's just a different angle now. It's just, uh, it, it, in a way, it's, it's very interesting to me, uh, even more so than going to like the fifth post-practice in March or April and writing some notes about that. So I think there's going to be a lot of stuff happening, and it's, it's going it's to be, it's gonna be quite a story to, to write over the next eight to nine months. I, I, uh, I agree with all of that. Uh, shooters shoot creators create and that's what we're going to do at husker 24 7 so there should be plenty of content for people all right we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to get into nebraska basketball's newest edition its newest kobe they're now up to two kobe's on the same team something i never thought that we would see and uh we're going to get into kobe webster nebraska basketball and what's next for fred hoiberg as they continue forward into their transformation with the husker basketball program This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. And we are back. All right, I mentioned before the break we were going to get into Kobe Webster and Nebraska basketball a little bit. BC, you had a chance to talk with Kobe Webster after he announced his decision this weekend. I had a chance to talk with him on the recruiting hour. What were your takeaways in your conversation with, with Kobe? Incredibly sharp kid uh, who positioned himself well to be a grad transfer at this point in his college career. He even had college credits, you know, stacked up coming out of high school. And if you look at what he did at Western Illinois – Uh, You know, since he was a freshman, he averaged more than 15 points his first year, and he's averaged more than 17 the past two years. 
And when he has played good teams, like they opened against Indiana this past year. Um, I mean, power five teams. Indiana's not a great team. But, uh, you know, <laughs> sorry, Archie Miller. But, you know, it's, it's Big Ten competition. And uh, he, had a, he had a good stat line, and he has, he has consistently done that against elevated competition. He's only six foot, so he's a smaller guy. Uh, but he's, he's good, a good ball handler. And they've talked to him a lot about playing the point, and that is very interesting uh, with uh, Cab, Cam Max situation uh, very much seeming to float in the wind, at least as far as I know. Yeah, I mean, it's the, – the conversation it seems like we're getting to with basketball recruiting is kind of similar a few years ago where the conversation was always, well, when's Nebraska going to recruit linemen? Well, when's Nebraska going to go get a big guy? And – I think that when you look at the way Nebraska's roster is currently constructed and he was coming off of redshirt years, who's coming in in this recruiting class, finding a, a veteran or somebody with experience in the point guard spot was a, a very underrated need for Nebraska this year. You know, I, I think you're going to have Delano Banton playing a little bit of point at times this year, but you need somebody that can make this offense go, somebody that can score a little bit from that point. And, you know, that, that's what they're getting, I think, in Kobe Webster. So, you know, he obviously didn't play on, you know, some high-level teams. He did make an NCAA tournament, though, uh, with the Cinderella run from Western Illinois. But, you know, I, I think it's an important get because you need somebody to make this offense go. And, you know, depending on what Cam Mack ultimately decides to do, whether that's to stay in the draft, transfer, come back, whatever, you're going to need that person. And even, even if Cam Mack – it was going to be back, no question, next year. I still think you needed a little bit of guard depth because Cam Mack, Deshaun Burke, they both seem very tenuous with the program at this point, in my opinion. Kobe Webster also seems like a guy who can just help the room. I mean, when you talk to him and you get to – I mean, just in the – Schaefer can speak to this. But some guys you know after like a 10- to 15-minute conversation, you're like, okay, this kid's got his, everything set up for himself. You know, he knows what his next move is. And he's, uh, he just comes off as a very, very mature kid. And so I like that after you've had this situation with a team where there has been guys who have been tardy and, uh, you know, been suspended for stuff like that and just shenanigans with curfews and stupid stuff. You know, it's good if you can add some guys um, who you feel like can uh, solidify your kind of the backbone of your team a little bit, too. Webster's got some interesting numbers, too. He, he shot really well from the outside as a sophomore. The numbers dipped a little bit as a junior. I think he's right around what, 30% or so uh, last season. Uh, he was West 41 and... as a sophomore, 33 from outside as a as Yeah. A so – you know, if you can get the numbers back around to kind of where they were uh, his second year at Western, um, you know, I, I think you can definitely deal with that with somebody running the point too. Yeah, I I want to echo kind of what BC said in the conversation I had with him on Monday on the radio show. I mean, I, I walked away from it thinking like one of the great things about a kid like this is you don't worry about him. You're not worried that he's going to, you know, show up late for lifting or he's not going to show up uh, on time for shoot around or any of these sorts of things. I mean, he's a, he's a guy that is very committed to 
playing basketball. He wants to win. He came to Nebraska to win. He came to Nebraska because Fred Hoiberg has had so much success with junior college players, and they had a four-year run at Iowa State where they made the NCAA tournament. He came here to be part of that shift um, in terms of, of Nebraska's success. And I think he's a guy, you know, BC said that he can help the room. I absolutely agree with that. I, he's one of those guys that has played so much. I think he started more than 80 games in his career. Uh, he's going to have the respect of people at Nebraska. And he's – I don't worry about him fitting in. I don't worry about him worrying about getting a shot. Um, this is a kid that just wants to win. And he was on a really bad Western Illinois team the last couple years. Um, and so winning is really important to him. Obviously, Nebraska, not very good this past year. But I think guys like Kobe Webster are going to be important. He may not be a star in, in Lincoln. Um, he may not average anywhere near 17 points a game. But I, I think he's going to be a really good glue guy. And I, I just I expect he's going to be able to help out that program. And they're not going to have to worry about it. And one of the most interesting things to me is we got to talking about, you know, what the process was like with Nebraska. And he said that within the hour or so that he was in the transfer portal, Matt Abdelmasa was already hitting him up. And it was consistent. He said that it was just – it wasn't like a barrage and he didn't feel like it was over the top. But Matt Abdelmasa was always checking in, always making sure that he knew that Nebraska was interested. They had a sit-down conversation because – He's in Indianapolis, and that's where the Big Ten tournament was. Nebraska was able to uh, to stop in and, and see him and, you know, really kind of answer questions or set the scene of what it was going to be if he were to come to Lincoln. And I think that Matt Abdelmassa is kind of his own little force. I mean, we've already seen multiple other players mentioned in the transfer portal since the season abruptly ended, and – Nebraska's been linked to several of them. I would fully expect more transfers added over the, the coming weeks. Uh, not to the degree that last year was because they just don't have as many roster spots, uh, but they're going to be aggressive and there's going to be some attrition on Nebraska's roster as well. So they don't, they don't have the spots yet. Yes. That, I mean, that's, that's what this week really is for the program is kind of figuring out who's going to be back. Who's not. I mean, I, you obviously have more spots than you have open scholarships or more guys for next year than you have open scholarships right now. So somebody's gone. Somebody's gone. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, when you look at kind of who Nebraska's really kind of put their weight behind in, in terms of de- development, who came along, I mean, I, I think, you know, you can count on Ivan probably being back. You can count on Thor being back as a senior, as a guy that kind of fits this. But, you know, I, I think Three there's good being back. Who? The three sit-outs being back. They'll be back. But, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out because I think you're going to – I think you're going to see multiple uh, departures too, maybe more than that even, um, but before this thing's all said and done. The 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 lack of official visits through the through April 15th will be interesting because that was the thing that, that – uh, that I found interesting about Cody Webster, he, he didn't visit. Um, he jumped on this, the opportunity. I think the uncertainty um, about kind of everything going on is going to make the transfer portal in basketball a little bit interesting this season where I think guys maybe are going to jump a little bit quicker at opportunities than they would otherwise. Um, but, 
you know, I, I think maybe that's an advantage for Nebraska where the staff can go to them and say, look, this is our track record. Obviously, we didn't have the season in season one that we thought we were going to or wanted to have. Uh, this is the opportunity. Uh, by the way, our facilities are great. Here's a quick tour online. Take it or leave it. I mean, that, that's kind of where I think they can be. And, you know, the, the other thing about going back to, to Kobe Webster, I mean, could he – do you guys think he's essentially a Hanif Cheatham type player? I mean, c- could he give you 10 a game, be a glue guy, make some plays, and be a strong presence in the locker room? I mean, that, that's kind of what it, – it's simplified, but that's kind of what it sounds like to me. I think off the floor, he can definitely be that guy. Cheatham seemed to have that within him, and uh, I think he should be appreciated for that, even though the the season was what it was. I also think guys like Kobe Webster are smart enough to realize, like some fans and stuff get caught up, like, oh, 7 and 25, and they look at these numbers, like it's got to be this process where you escalate slowly, you know, where next year you win like 12 or 13. Kobe Webster, I think, sees the big picture with Fred Hoiberg and what he did at Iowa State. I know he does because he talked about it. And that 7-25 and 25 doesn't mean jack squat to him. You know, it's, it's like he, he, he believes they can totally flip the script on that. Um, and I, he knows about the guys who sat out and I think has been told, you know, there's talent there that is behind the curtain that you get to work with. And you talked about his percentage dipping. He, one of the things he said was he thinks when he's surrounded by more talented guys, he was careful with how he said it, <laughs> <laughs> but his game can escalate. I mean, you got to look at it like he was probably the one guy on the roster who opposing coaches when they scouted Western Illinois last year, they're like, take him out as best you can and we're fine. And so now if he's got some more pieces around him that can spread the floor, uh, Kobe Webster's, you know, shooting percentage in game can maybe take off a little bit more. So I think that's one of the things he's looking forward to as well. I'm going to give a very weird comparison, but it has more to do with maybe off the court than on the court. Um, He could be a version of Evan Taylor for Nebraska next year, like senior year Evan Taylor that was – more of a leader than people might have known with that team that won 22 games, uh, had a very nice role that he filled in at, didn't necessarily need to be a scorer to be uh, helpful. I think Webster can do all of those things. I, I think that, you know, he's maybe not going to be as good of an on-ball defender or as annoying as Evan Taylor was to multiple guards in the Big Ten during that run. But um, I, I think that he has the sort of off-the-court intangibles that are going to be very helpful for this team. And I think he has on-the-court ability that matches up really well with what Fred Hilleberg wants. And he's just another collection or another asset as they kind of put this thing together. I mean, you have Kobe Webster. We haven't spent a ton of time talking about Kobe King and what that means to Nebraska. And then you're going to have Teddy Allen. You're going to have the kid from TCU, who I always forget how his name is pronounced, but I think it's Latman. Uh, he had a really nice run with, with the Florida Junior College that he was at, averaging, I think, 11.8 and eight rebounds a game. He's a stretch four. You, you bring back Wade Drago, you bring back Thor, you add in Banton, and you add in um, Stevenson and Walker. I mean, there's, there's some real pieces there that you can work with. I'm not saying for sure they're going to go out and win, you know, 18 to 20 games next year, but they're going to be a lot better than they were this past year. 
So right now, as it stands, you have seven guys who are probably going to be in the rotation next year that were not on the floor for Nebraska this year. Yeah. You get the, the two Kobe's, the three sit-outs, Latman and uh, Teddy Allen. And, five of those guys have Power 5 experience, too. Yep. So uh, it'll be interesting this, this next couple of weeks to see how else that shakes out. Absolutely. Uh, Brunch, you want to get the wheel out? Uh, yes, I have been hunkered down, um, chiseling away at the wheel with some new topics. Uh, you think we do a full podcast this week for people where we just do three or four wheel topics? Is that a thing we could do? We, we could do that if, if people like it. We, we could just play all the hits. You could just do the wheel, some sock talks. Oh, I just spun the wheel. Uh, we could do that. We could do... Uh, Did you clean the wheel? Uh, I've been sanitizing it. Nobody's okay. really touched it, so... All right. Um, but it's still going there. We we could do a we could do a podcast like that. Oh, it stopped. Um, okay, Jeez, really spun that. Yeah. Well, I haven't really done much. I need to work out. So, since everybody's hunkered down or in the process of hunkering, um, what's uh what is your guy's top sports movie? Who? <laughs> um, that's that's the, the the topic. I like this topic. Good wheel topic here. Who yes. submitted? it? Uh, I believe it was, uh, let's see. I need to pull. It was, it was Jack Skers 94 that I kind of took it off of that. He's, his was most underrated comedy movie, uh, and most overrated comedy movie, but I just went with best sports movies. So it was right. inspired by that. So there's a fusion between you and, and Jack um, Skers 94, but the, the topic is also, those other topics are on the wheel. So maybe they will be okay. stopped on. So, like top sports movie wants to go first. Um, I'll go. Okay. I would say I'm going to throw a curveball here. I consider this a sports movie. I love The Hustler with Paul Newman. <laughs> okay. Have you ever seen it? Yes, I have. Oh, yeah. My I grandparents love that movie. It's a classic. I, I consider it a sports movie. And it would be in my top five, as would Hoop Dreams, the documentary. Yeah, is that are we not allowed to count Hoop's Dreams? Because I feel like that is okay, the no. best thing ever made in terms of sports. I'll give a mainstream one though, um, and it's a it's a newer one. If Moneyball comes on the TV, I'm Man. watching. I am watching Moneyball, and. <laughs> I know I'm not sucking up the brunts here. It feels that way. Uh, in his age. A little bit. Even though I didn't realize the scene where uh, Tejada hits the home run for their, like, 18th in a row and all that stuff, that was against the Twins. So, I back in the day, I was probably, like, ticked off beyond belief when that happened and Eddie Guardado gave up that bomb. But there are so many scenes in Moneyball, which I love, and that sequence – the streak sequence in that movie where they win the 20, it's like a four minute sequence. I think is one of the best in sports. It just like gives you chills when you watch it. BC is, is the hustler your favorite Paul Newman movie? Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, it, this is an interesting question because it, you kind of want to break it off into like um, great, like, movies like movie movies like for the film buff like raging bull for example is a great sports movie but would i want to watch raging bull just like on a tuesday afternoon all the time no 
Um, and then you're, you got to break it off from like that to like Rudy and Hoosiers and those kind of movies, which are easy viewing, I think. All right, I'll go next. Um, th- this movie kind of toes the line of schmaltzy and also serious sports movie, but it's r- it's r- actually rarely on TV. You don't see it very often, but uh, I-, I think Blue Chips has to be in there for me for one of my favorite sports movies. I, I-, I don't know that I would say it's the best. I'm saying this under pressure, but you- you've got Nick Nolte, the the crushing pressure of trying to win. Um, and I don't know, it's, it's, it's moderately entertaining because you have, you know, Shaquille O'Neal, Penny Hardaway, you had Matt Painter on the other team, you had Bobby Hurley, uh, Bobby Knight makes an appearance. So you, you kind of had the, the star type thing to, to kind of rope people in. But uh, then you've got uh, Al Bundy um, as a very caricat- – like a weird caricature of a journalist – so th- there's a lot, uh, a lot going on there, but I, I think that's always a, a clear the calendar type event when it's uh, when it's on the TV. Yeah, I like I like blue chips a lot. Uh, I think blue chips is a a fair answer. Um, I'm gonna go with an odd one as well. Um, I think it's a sports movie. Maybe you guys would disagree. Um, some people would argue it's not even a sport. So we'll see how you feel about it. Uh, but have you guys seen The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke? Yeah. Long time ago, yes. That is one of the best movies. And Marissa Tomei. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like absolutely tremendous <laughs> movie about someone who is incapable of moving on from being in the limelight and being a star and the difficulties. Like, I, I think that's a really interesting spin in story that you can fit into athletics in a lot of ways. I mean, there's college athletes who never play again that struggle with the fact that their identity was at one point in life just being an athlete, and then they can't do that anymore. Um, you know, and, and this is set over a professional wrestler, an aging one with serious health issues and uh, has, you know, in true sports movie fashion, spurned and basically ruined all of his close relationships. But – uh, I like The Wrestler a lot. I think that's a, a tremendous um, sports movie. We were going to go for a more classic, I guess, sports movie, if you would. Um, I I mean, I feel like it's, it's borderline cliche, but I love Hoosiers. I mean, I could watch that movie in March every single year. I know Brunt hates it um, with a burning passion. That I've never quite understood. But uh, Why do you hate it, Brunt? It's just not for me. I don't like it. I think I think it's like a response to. Is it because you never lived in a in a small community that you you just couldn't you couldn't get on board with Hickory High? No, that's why I don't like the Olive Garden. Uh, lots of <laughs> large community people love Olive Garden. Uh, I don't know. It's just never. I, I I appreciate the love of the movie. It just has never captured me in that that same uh, same way. What's the worst sports movie? Let's flip this. It's draft day for me, and it's not close. <laughs> there's there's so many bad ones. There's a lot of bad sports movies. Uh, wh- here's a quick one, and then we'll get out on this one. What's, what's your favorite baseball movie besides Moneyball, obviously, BC? 
Um, oh, I I would I guess I would say, you know, I I want to say Bull Durham, but actually, what if you watch all Bull Durham? I'm not into the whole movie. Like, there's it, Bull Durham's like got good sections that are fun, but I don't think I would say that. I would probably say like. This is a sappy answer, but I'd probably say Field of Dreams. I'm not going to lie. When they play that music at the end and the cars are coming in all on the to watch and the, they're having a catch and the kids are on the porch right now in this crisis we're going through, you're saying you're not going to have a like little mist in your eyes as you're watching that? Field of Dreams. Uh, that would be mine as well. Also, that would be the movie that I would choose if you had – uh, to replace all of the characters with Muppets except for one one live action person. So, and that one live action person would be the dad. Yeah, I mean, I will. Uh, <laughs> I'll stump for Major League here. Um, for uh, it's probably the sports movie I've seen the most. Uh, and but I I feel like baseball. There's a fair amount of good ones. Uh, I told Brunts about one he hadn't seen the other day that he might be interested in, or he just said that he was to get us off the conversation. Um, there's a movie called Sugar that's really good. There's a movie that just came out recently called Everybody Wants Some. Uh, that's about a West Texas junior college baseball team and their first couple weeks of the uh, the school year that's really good. Uh, Sandlot. Nobody mentioned Sandlot. I think Sandlot's a good movie. Bruns probably hates it. No, I like it. The That Sugar movie, by the way, MLB.com had their list of the top baseball movies of all time and uh, I, I believe that wasn't even in the top 15 I was surprised yeah I mean I would imagine because it wasn't like a major release it didn't get a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of run but it's solid I I feel like football movies I can't think of a whole lot that I actually like that is it much. varsity blues I bet your answer is varsity blues varsity blues is solid any given Sunday is solid but I, I don't know they wouldn't rank all that high if I were to sit and rank out favorite sports movies Gotcha. Slapshot would be my favorite hockey movie. Is is Happy Gilmore a ha- a hockey movie or a golf movie? Probably golf, I would think. How do you feel you about Tin Cup, Cup, guys? Yeah, Tin Cup. I love Tin Cup. It's good. I hate the uh, I hate the very end, like the the just keep dunking it in the water. <laughs> Did it? Uh, I think I like a little too close to home. Well, yeah. I'm, I mean, that made me feel like I was the one hitting a ball. But um, I think I like the stories of the the professional degenerates that were involved in the making of that movie more than I actually enjoyed the movie. Um, if you've never read about Phil Mickelson and what he was doing on that set, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Uh, so I would I would implore anybody to do that. Appreciate last, last, last thought here. What's the second best rock? movie assuming you vote rocky one as the top rocky movie it's <laughs> a big assumption well you the can answer go is rocky four what if you say things like rocky's just okay uh i, I don't like i don't like that opinion but you can that? say that <laughs> no, nobody i want to be friends with you know your co-workers with them so friends <laughs> It's a good thing for this social distancing right now after a comment like that. <laughs> it's it's Rocky Four. The answer is Rocky Four. Uh, I'm gonna go Creed. I would too. Although I would I would accept Rocky Four is a good answer for how un- unintentionally great it is. 
Get us out of here, Schaefer. Time to leave? Yes. All right. Well, everybody can enjoy the work that we have coming. I'll have plenty of recruiting stuff. We've still got stuff that we haven't used from last week yet. We're still going to be having stories running every single day on Husker 24-7. We will be your content site. We will get you news in your mind off of the coronavirus and social distancing. And who knows, maybe we can even get BC to run a live thread on Rocky Four one of these days. We might just do that. You can get all that and more at Husker 24-7. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.